Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversation with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Volume. Get in on the action with the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers who deposit $5 or more can get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. How cool of a deal is that? All you have to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. It takes 90 seconds and use the code Colin. C-O-L-I-N. This is the best deal you're going to find. New customers, it's a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 if your first bet loses. How cool is that? Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, code is Colin. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, KS, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms and responsible gaming resources. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Draymond Green Show. Honored to have this next guest. Uh, We'll be listing off accolades for a while, but as you know, must get a proper introduction when you come to the Draymond Green Show. So here we go. Uh, Two-time WNBA champion, two-time finals MVP, three-times WNBA MVP, eight-time WNBA All-Star, Eight-time All-WNBA first team, four-time All-WNBA second team. Uh, my favorite part of the, of the accolade list, two-time WNBA Defensive Player of the Year. Let's go. Two-time, <laughs> two-time WNBA All-Defensive first team, two-time second team. Uh, has the number nine retired by the Los Angeles Sparks and the number 33 retired uh, by USC. I'd like to welcome our next guest, the great Lisa Leslie. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. No, thank you for coming on. Uh, this is such an honor. Um, I always 
crack jokes about you got to be a legend to have accolades to come on this show. And you <laughs> blow it out the water. So Thank we you. really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. A lot of hard work, but you know about that. I love defense. So when you said that, I'm like, oh. Every time I didn't make it or get like, you know, all defensive, anything like I really love playing defense, which is why I admire your game so much. I really love the way you play basketball. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, you know, and that'll, that'll lead me right into my first question. Um, as someone, you know, who did it both on the defensive end and the offensive end, you start looking at these all WNBA first teams, uh, MVP, finals MVP. I can tell you, you're not getting those awards by only playing defense. So I just want to talk to you initially. Um, what What is your feeling on the defensive side and the offensive side? One thing I always say is just like defense, you have to have chemistry. Just like, I mean, offense, you have to have chemistry. Just like um, off the offensive end, you, you essentially kind of have to have sets on the defensive end and different things. What is your take on the difference in how it's viewed on the offensive end and the defensive end uh, as far as our sport goes? Yeah, I think, um, I, I don't want to speak for like what's in the mind of these players now, but I feel like speaking for, for myself, I just always felt like I'm that last line of defense and I have to be reliable. And it comes down to trust. You know, it comes down to trust and reliability. I think of defense like a relationship. You know, I think you you have to be accountable and you can't just talk about it, even though communication is key. Right. So to that first line is that communication in the back, the same thing that you do. You know, you're back there directing traffic. Uh, but we also because we have high IQ for basketball, that anticipation of what's coming next. And that starts with our scouting reports. Right. We understand what's going to be happening understanding what their offense is and what they're looking for and then anticipating what they want to do and trying to take that away. But at the end of the day, uh, when I was at the five or at the four, that rotation and coming across blocking somebody's shot, like I live for that, um, where my guards know that they can play up and you know that I'm going to be there. Like if we do it 10 times, 10 times I'm rotating and I'm there. And I think that is the selflessness of defense. It's really a Part of it is pride because you have to take it upon yourself that I'm coming with this effort every single time. It doesn't matter what the results are. I'm coming back. Like you're going to know when you played me, you was in a battle. Whether you won or lost, I, I won a whole lot. But the battle is like, like, damn, I just you might circle me on your calendar because you played against me. But you also are like, damn, you better be thinking about that shot you're trying to get off. You know what I mean? And I feel like the consistency of that is just what I love. Like, I feel like the pressure is on the person with the ball, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like when we talk offense, like I felt like my offense was amazing, but my defense is like, I don't have the pressure of the ball. You have the ball. You got to try to figure out how to get in this basket. And as low, as far as I'm there, like I'm really going to be reliable. And I think that's the relationship, right? Absolutely. It's funny because I was flying back uh, with Steph last night. I mean, yesterday uh, mm -hmm. we were coming back from Mexico for practice and there was a few other people on the plane, and we were talking about the growth of Jonathan Kaminga. And I was telling Steph, actually, I was like, man, he's our number. We were just sitting there talking. I'm like, he's a number two option now, and that comes with a totally different thing. And I said to those guys, and they started laughing, I never yearned for that. Like, I never yearned to be the guy in the NBA that has to go score every night, that has to do yeah. I think that comes with a totally different mindset, but also a totally different pressure. Like 
when it's when when you're when whether you have a good game is based on if I make a shot or if I miss a shot, like that's a totally different pressure. And so yeah. I agree with you 100 percent as far as who that pressure falls on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just going back, uh, born in Compton, California. Uh, talk to me about growing up in Compton. I've been told that there are people in Compton that's actually never been to Los Angeles. Talk to me about growing up in Compton. (laughs) Well, I think first off, let me just say, when you are a kid born in the inner city, we know nothing. All we know is our surroundings. We don't understand what we don't know. We don't understand what we have and what we don't have. So Mm -hmm. I feel like being in Compton, I thought we had it great. Like we had our (laughs) own house. You know, we had our own house. Like we lived in a house. My mom was a wow. single, she's a single mom. I have two, I had, well, I have three sisters, but at that time it was just my older sister and I, and we both had our own room. Like, I'm like, bro, we got our own room. We live in a three bedroom house. Now, did I understand square foot and how big it was? Probably not, but that's saying a lot. So I felt like in the situation I was in, I felt very blessed. Like my mom was a very hard worker and that is probably what I saw most. Like my mom would, at that time first, when I was young, she would carry mail. So she was a mail carrier. She'd get up at 5.30. She would get dressed in her uniform. And then she would leave me, who was, um, I probably was kindergarten. My older sister is five years older than me. So she would go to elementary school on her own. And I stayed in the house. Like during my, I was like four years old in the house with the key around my neck. I was a latchkey kid and my mom would turn on the TV. She'd leave me like food out. And she was like, when this show comes on and she had to take one day off to show me when this show comes on, then you turn the TV off, you go out, you lock the door, knock on a neighbor's door across the street. And then you walk to school at 11 o'clock, 11 o'clock, because school started at 1130 for a kid who went half day. That, that was it. So it was kind of like I've been having, I've had to be responsible like from day one. That's all I know is like, so it's discipline. It's it's focused. It's like, don't turn the channel. Now, imagine if I was not a good listener and I turned the channel, bro, I probably would have never made it to school because <laughs> I wouldn't have known what channel. So I never changed the channel. I had to wait for the show, you know, turn the TV off, lock the door. And I feel like just from day one in Compton, it was just kind of this, it was survival, you know what I mean? And I, sometimes I feel like just those survival skills, and yes, it was a kid and it was the streets, but it's still an opportunity to survive, live, figure out what we're going to eat. Then my mom became a truck driver, which then with my mom leaving, there's three girls now. So my older sister, I'm the middle now, and I have a younger sister. We got to figure it out. Like, what are we eating? Uh, we did have an au pair or a housekeeper. Someone was there. but it wasn't that great. You know, it wasn't my mom. So who's going to look out for us? Us. And so I just think by me being sort of that child that was just focused early on trying to figure out how to survive, I had a mindset of like, I'm competitive. I can do this. I can, I can figure it out. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to survive. So I think Compton taught me survival skills. I can be anywhere. We might go to the hood. We can play ball in the hood. We can go stop by some people who don't have, and I can go to your house and eat and help cook and clean up. Or we can head out to Cabo. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We can go We can go to Paris. We can go to the best of the best. But either way, for me, Compton just taught me that, you know, you love people. I love people. I meet people where they are. 
I have very low expectations, you know, so I don't, I don't, I don't disappoint myself with how people show up, mm-hmm. but I try to show up and just be a consistent person that I just love people and meet where they are. And everybody's not the same. We're not all mm-hmm. the same. We have different backgrounds. So therefore our personalities are different, how we vibe, but I find myself that I can adapt in any situation. And that's really, I think, what Compton taught me. With, with your mom having to leave for work um, all those years early and then becoming a truck driver where that takes you on the road, did at any point that build some type of resentment um, within you, uh, knowing that, like you said, there was an old pair, but it's not quite my mom. Like, my mom isn't there. And I asked that question because... That's always one of my biggest fears. Obviously, you know how we travel when we're on, uh, you know, when we're doing this job and how much time you miss. And that's always one of my biggest fears. So I just wanted to ask you that. Mm-hmm. No, I, I didn't. And, and this is where my mom was really smart. She sat my sisters and I down and she said, girls, I need you guys to give me five years to give us a better life. And I think being eight years old, taking care of a, I was taking care of my younger sister. I kind of didn't know what that meant, you know, but I understood that my mom was trying to say, I got to do what I got to do in order for us to be able to survive, in order for us to be able to pay these bills, which means I need for you girls to step up and help me and help each other. And so it was pretty much that conversation I, I never really forget because I knew that my mom was trying to ask us to be a, a, a village, and to be a support group to one another. And from that moment on, I just stepped into a, a, a different role, which was a motherhood. I ended up raising my younger sister, who's eight years younger than me. I ended up, I mean, from that day on, I mean, from changing diapers to walking her to school first and, and then me going to school and then picking her up from school. Just every game I had, I had to leave school, go get my sister. She was in the stands while I was playing. And I'd be like, it'd be a timeout. And I'm like, sit down. You know, I'm like... <laughs> You know, just mothering her. She was always on the bus when our team went to away games. Like, I really had a child, um, you know, from from eight years on, eight years old up until I actually sent her to college. Wow. You know, so I think that level of responsibility again, it's it's hard work, it's discipline, it's when I got to go play basketball, that was like my relief. Mm-hmm. You know, from from real life of being a mom, really, at 12, 13, 14, 15, I'm taking care of a kid. You know, that that type of mindset for me, basketball was the outlet for me to yes. just like, bro, I get to go play. Like, what are we doing out here? You know, like, let's let's go. And so I really focused on basketball and put like my heart. I was like married to ball. I always say I was married to basketball because that was just my outlet from like real life you know, ups and downs. Like we, we have, we got $3. I got to feed my sister, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to get her some French fries and, you know, the fish market was up the street, the corner, like we got French fries and she got some ketchup and I just sit there and took a piece of fish and watch her eat. And if she didn't, you know, she got full and there was something left, I would eat the rest, you know? Wow. So it was like sacrifice in a way that I was just always a really prayerful kid. That's what I could just tell you that really saved me is just I was just always praying like, Lord, just, I just know that you got something, something more than, than this situation where we are. And if my working hard can help get us to anything better, then that's what I'm gonna do. I'm the, I'm the one, I'm the chosen one who's going to work 
double time. And my older, my younger sister, which is kind of funny because she would always say, you seem like you were just so serious. And I'm like, girl, you have no idea <laughs> the <laughs> amount of pressure I'm under trying to figure out what you're going to eat. You know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. when you got to go to bed or giving you a bath. Like I was really being a mom, you know, at 14 is, is, it's really crazy, but all worth the sacrifice. Absolutely. You, I, I read, and I've, we've actually spoke about this before, but where you said um, when you retire from basketball that you were retiring because being a mom, a wife, um, a basketball player, it was all just too much. Mm-hmm. And when I look back on that, because I, I actually have those days sometimes where I sit and, you know, I, I have a wife and we – like the role that she plays is incredible, but I always try to be conscious and aware of that. I'm not a just depending on her to raise the kids by herself, or b depending on we got a nanny. I don't have to do this. I always try to throw myself into that fire, and and throwing myself into that fire. There's days where I'm like, it's too much. Like all of these things coming together, it's 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 way too much. Um, mm-hmm. What? When, when you ultimately made that decision, because I, as someone who's kind of building another career for after basketball while playing basketball, not playing basketball is scary as hell. And yeah. to make that decision when you didn't have to make that decision, but solely based on, I want to be great at these things also, and this isn't allowing me to do that. What was it like transitioning to the other side and saying, you know what, I am wrapping it up, I am done, and, and I'm moving on. like. Did you face that fear of what was on the other side of basketball like a lot of us do? Absolutely. I think, well, here's two things. I, I think being in women's basketball before the launch of the WNBA had already programmed most of us. But again, I can only speak for myself. The idea that basketball is not going to last forever. And so I had always had these other um, goals, broadcasting, you know, was one. I ended my undergrad degrees in communication because I wanted to do broadcasting. Um, Modeling was something that I always wanted to do. So I had a chance after the Olympics to sign a contract with Wilhelmina, moved to New York. And I was like, oh yeah, I'll just be, you know, I'll just model. And then, um, and then public speaking was something that I had always done because I felt like that was like my spiritual gift, my ability to, to go out and speak and hopefully inspire. Right. So I think I always had these other things that I was prepared to do and preparing to do. Whereas I always looked at, you know, in men's basketball, I feel like you guys have the freedom to just like focus on ball, like day in, day out. That's what you're going to do because the compensation level can, mm-hmm. you can, you can retire and you can, you don't have to work. Obviously it's hard to just stop and not do anything and not have that fire fulfilled. So I think that's important to do something else like this broadcasting, having this show, all the many things that you'll do. And, you know, when you do retire, it's important, but you didn't have to necessarily think about those things until like now, you know what I mean? Because, you know, like, hey, how many more years are you going to play? I don't know. But I'm saying, you know, that you're closer to that. For us as women, we are like always like, just in case this doesn't work out, this is what I'm going to do. And you got to think I'm from the era now where the WNBA did not exist. Mm -hmm. So most of the women went overseas every year. I went overseas. I played in Italy for um, a season. And then when I came back, I was working for ESPN. I was doing the women's tournament. I was just working, 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 working. 
Um, then I, like I said, I was modeling. So I had already created the idea that I had other careers and outlets. So I just feel like basketball for me was that one tool that was going to give me the freedom, but also the opportunity to reach these other goals that I have. And I think it's important for, for all athletes to, to think about those things. And now that we have so much more access, right, the, the social media brings us together with the world, with our ideas as entrepreneurs, times have changed. But I always had that entrepreneur spirit from the time I was at USC, because I'm like, I don't even know that I'm going to play basketball. Like, I really thought I was done with basketball after the Olympics. Like, I was, I thought you played one Olympics. I'm retiring, <laughs> you know, then I'm going to go do, I, I mean, I really thought I was retired. So then they said they're going to start the WNBA and I'm like, oh, okay. That's like a summer league. Okay. That's cool. I'll just, I can come back to the LA and play in the summer. I thought we were going to wear like reversible jerseys, play at like Long Beach state or something. Like I didn't understand the impact of what the WNBA was going to be. So I love it for these young girls now, young women. It's amazing. Like I, I'm so in love with you know, Angel Reese and, and Caitlin Clark and, and just all of these women who are having the opportunity to have a platform that's being watched, to have the NIL deals. Like, I'm just, I'm so happy for them because we always have had the personalities, you know, whether it's, you know, obviously our looks were different. We didn't really have, you know, all the lashes and everything because we didn't have access to those things. But I just love where the game has gone and the opportunities that these young women are getting. I, I love that. Now, that's interesting um, to hear kind of your first experience with the WNBA. Because I remember my first experience with the WNBA came, um, man, I was six or seven years old and my aunt, who was playing overseas as well, my aunt Annette Babers. Um, she was playing overseas, and she came back, and, and she tried out for the Detroit Shop. And this was when the WNBA was first kicking off, and I'll never forget, she was the very last cut uh, for the Detroit Shock. And I remember standing outside in the middle of the street, all of us waiting to kind of get the news. We knew the day was the day that we find out if she made the Shock or not. And like I said, she ended up being the last cut and did not make it. Uh, and just to see where it's grown to since then, yeah. um, I think it's very interesting. But something you just said uh, brings me to my next question, which is you said, all right, it's a summer league. And I actually had this written down um, to speak with you about. But you said women always go overseas and we all know they go overseas, make a ton more money than you make in the WNBA. And I think in order for women not to have to go overseas, ultimately, you're going to have to extend the season. You know, you have a three-month season and because, you know, you got to be able to pay the bills. What is your take on the WNBA extending the season, but then how it also competes with either the NBA, being on the same schedule as the NBA or the NFL? Uh, kind of what's your take on that? And can the WNBA move into that? Or do you think it, it'll be tough for it to compete with those other leagues? Yeah, I think, Draymond, it's a great question because uh, I think it's something that the W has really tried to, to think about it, like where is our space? And remember, uh, they've actually moved it up because we used to start June 15th. Mm -hmm. So now mm -hmm. I think we're kind of, and I'm not saying we, but they play, I think they start May It's now. definitely we. It's definitely we. <laughs> you're pioneering that. It's always right, no, we. It's like you're always a part of it. <laughs> Everywhere I go, I'm still a WNBA player. So I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> 
But it definitely started like they moved it up, you know, to start in May. But what happens is, is there's players and foreign players that also still come and play in our league that they're not quite done yet. Yes. So it's always going to pose that problem because some of the, you know, the team's rosters at one time was down to 11. Sometimes mm-hmm. they have 13, then it was back down to 11. So when you have 11, but you're holding a spot for three or four players that are still overseas, even if it's not Americans, it could be foreign players that you've drafted. Mm-hmm. You're kind of, you're, you're, you're kind of in a, a tough there. So that's the first part. And then how long the season can go um, there's always going to be that tough competition, whether it's the NFL getting started. Um, television time is really important. Um, but I, I think I don't know that I have the answers, but I do think that that may be something they could consider is to continue to try to stretch it out on both ends, start a little bit earlier if you can get those players back from overseas and then maybe trying to extend it a little bit. But it comes down to, as we know, money, TV time, those spots you start getting up against. You know, baseball World Series and then at the beginning of the NFL, which is tough. You know, we watch preseason football. I think those are the areas that really, again, depending on where people get their their game from. But I believe it was this. Wasn't that you and I actually talking about with LeBron? Like the finals fell mm-hmm. on. On. Uh, it oh, was it fell uh, on big sports day. Yeah. The finals. Oh, it oh was it the NFL? Like, like a game. Sunday. Yeah, it was like game. It was the NFL Sunday, and the finals were being played at one p.m. on an NFL Sunday. Yeah, it was something that was like, see, bro, that's not like that's not good competition. We don't want to do those things. So I'm sure that people that are you know really focused on the the business um, are probably trying to figure out ways to to make that work, even if it's like a Friday final, you know. But there should be ways that they can continue to extend it, and hopefully continue to increase revenue. But I think overall, the WNBA and the Players Association have worked so closely together and they're building. They're building and they're getting better and they're further along than where we were when we started in 1997. We've all had a frustrating experience buying tickets, even me. You all know I love to go to concerts, shows, and it can be hard to find last-minute tickets. You shouldn't have to worry when you buy tickets to your next big event. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets to all the sports, music, comedy, and theater shows near you. I'm looking through the Game Time app right now, and it's really easy to find tickets at different price points. I know it isn't cheap to see the Dubs play anymore, but we got some fun matchups coming up versus the Lakers, the Mavericks, and more. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. They have all-in pricing, so you know exactly how much you're going to pay. Plus, the Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code word GREEN for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Create an account and use the code word GREEN, G-R-E-E-N, for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Absolutely. You know what I think will be interesting uh, for the WNBA, and it'll be a bit of, I don't necessarily call it a case study, but what will be interesting is to see where this next TV deal goes for the for the NBA. And here's why I think so. You start to talk about the the big networks, you know, the the TNTs, uh, Turner Sports. Um, ESPN, ESPN yeah. you know, the, the big deals, you know, the big TV deals that the NBA has, 
And the reason I say it'll be interesting with this next TV deal, because all of a sudden, uh, wrestling, for instance, the uh, WWE just signed a $10 billion deal or $8 billion deal or something of that nature with Netflix. And so now you'll start to get Netflix who's streaming. Uh, we know Hulu. You got all these streaming platforms that I think can also create another avenue to extend the season, right? So, like, maybe it's not just built on TV time, right? Like, if it's if it's just built on TV time with ESPN, TNT, obviously things get a little tougher. But if you can now get some of these streaming platforms and make that a part of the deal, which I personally think um, that that's going to happen with the NBA deal, like, I think you'll probably see some different packages or whatnot, and, like, maybe Netflix has something... Maybe Apple TV has some of it. But I think that will be possibly an avenue, depending on what happens with the NBA deal, that the WNBA can explore. Because with the problem that you run into with a lot of these, these streaming platforms is, are do they have the capabilities of having a million people watching this live event at the same time? And I think that's starting to be created with WWE and then NBA. So I think that may be a route. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I think you're right in terms of the change is going to come with streaming. I just think the biggest key is knowing where to find the W consistently. Mm-hmm. There was a time where we had, I believe, if the feedback could say, the negative that I'd say is that we've overpromoted the WNBA in a way that people don't know, like it's not consistent on where to find it. It's, it's not consistent. Like we used to, we had, and I don't even remember if it was like, um, lifetime or something, but it was like catch the WNBA every Tuesday and Thursday on Lifetime. Let's just say that's mm-hmm. what the advertise, whatever it was, it was very consistent. So people knew, oh, we got to get a lifetime, we got to catch them. The thing that I think we've overpromoted, like we used to say, we got next. That was mm-hmm. that was huge. We should have said what well, we got next for 25 years because we come after the NBA. That's catchy. I couldn't tell you what the WNBA's catchphrase is now. I, I don't know what it is. And so I feel like the importance of being consistent. Consistency is really important because NBA, I love this game. We heard for 50 years. We understood that that's a part of it. I think the consistency is important of where you can find the WNBA. I believe that the followers of the WNBA and through social media, people will find them if it was consistent, not just I got to search it up and say, oh, today they're on Hulu. Oh, but now I got to have Apple Plus. And then mm-hmm. I also over here got to have Hulu. That's a lot. And especially on some of our devices where you may have a subscription to one, but you may not have a subscription to all three. So mm-hmm. I think finding the consistency in that is just as important as having that opportunity to have the WNBA streaming live somewhere, wherever that is. Mm-hmm. No, I, I definitely agree because uh, consistency is everything. I know on Tuesday nights, the NBA is on TNT, okay. right? Thursday nights, I know it's on TNT. Like, And so you start to get that cadence. You just know where to go for the games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that's what we need. We we kind of, and again, that's maybe not to the fault of the WNBA, but maybe it's just working with networks and trying to fit in where they can. Again, I'm not trying to be like the powers that be, you know, I'm, I'm not running for president, people, because I always get, <laughs> you should be the president, you should be. I'm not trying to do any of those things, but I'm just, for suggestions, it's important for marketing for us to find something that we really are passionate about and then stay with it. It's okay to repeat the same marketing for a few years so that people can get the habits of it. You know, we just change so quick. Every year, somebody's got a new marketing job for the WBA. It's like, 
Um, last year, we, we don't have that consistency. So I think that's something I would suggest for them. Absolutely. Uh, you coached in the Big 3-1 in championship. Um, we, we just saw Becky Hammond lead, uh, a few years ago lead the San Antonio Spurs go coach uh, the Las Vegas Aces, and she's been dominating the uh, last two years, winning a championship in both years, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yes. Coaching in the WNBA, never never, never quite wanted to do that, never a thing for you, um, kind of? Well, I, first of all, I never say never about jobs. I, you know, I love to work. That's not a problem. I think the, the hard part was that um, – I'm still so I was still so familiar with all the players there. And yes. I think you need a break of like, you know, I could come in and maybe the new generation have that opportunity. But I feel like, you know, I can go back to the Sparks and Coach Candace, who was my teammate. You know what I mean? Like, that's my Absolutely. girl. But it's like she would just we we're too close for it mm -hmm. to really be, I think, a coach player relationship. So I think over time it would be better to coach players team players like like now I think we're kind of finally at the you know Candace may be finishing up in a year or two you know NECA like all the girls at Cheney people that I'm like really close with and have relationships with I think it would be better when you have groups that you don't have those types of relationship with so you can just have a clean slate um but I, I've never really been approached about coaching um a WNBA team to be really honest with you not that I've even thought of it thought about it or applied for it um but um, I, I really enjoy coaching the men. I, I, I have a good time. And I don't know that it's just because they're men, but I enjoy coaching in the big three, I guess I should say. Um, the hard parts about coaching, though, coaching is coaching is a lot, man. Yes, it I, is. It's a lot. I mean, you, you take it home. I mean, I can't stand losing. And I don't like when you're at a professional level and you need to be motivated to do your job. Like, mm -hmm. that's probably the biggest part that I didn't really understand. And I think when I looked at my teammates, I kind of was like, as a leader, like, y'all, let's go. Like, we're going to run the lines. Like, don't cut the line. You know what I'm saying? Touch the line. Like, I've always been that kind of player. Like, don't cut corners. Because if you cut corners now, we're not going to deserve to win in the end. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Like, whether we're on the track, we're on the weight room, don't be a player who's late. Like, be 15 minutes early. Like, I'm just that kind of person where... The efficiency of how we train affects everything to me. So I'm like, we it's already hard. Let's mm -hmm. not add to it. Let's not cut corners and then expect the best, you know? And so Absolutely. being that, you know, you know, you're a champion. It's just, it's just the, it's the nature of it. And so I have a really hard time trying to motivate people to do something that you should be passionate about. You should love, you should be think, seeing it as an honor to be able to play this sport because you could get hurt at any time and not be able to play. So to me, it's like respect the game. And I have a hard time with like babysitting people and just trying to, I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm not built like that. So it's that's the difficult part for me. You know, mm -hmm. I think it's one thing when you talk about like high school kids, everybody, you know, some people sign up, you got to pick the best people you have at the school. Every kid's not that, like, that's not their dream, but they may be athletic enough to make a team. Mm -hmm. Okay. But when you're talking about top tier, you're talking about a professional, bro, I don't have time for all the excuses. <laughs> I don't have time for all of, like, I was out last night. Like, don't, don't waste my time. You know, Kobe mm -hmm. and I used to talk about that, which is so funny because 
I always think about our conversations about just being ready and how you show up, you know, and the fact that you have to tell your teammates, like, we got a big, we got a game tomorrow. So you might Mm -hmm. not want to go out tonight. Like I shouldn't have to explain those things to you because my hard work is a part of what we're trying to build here. And I need everybody. We need everybody to win. You know, that's the, that's the hard part. So coaching for me, I'm like, I cannot motivate you to want to win. Like that's all that I know. I I, I'm so bad. Like it's space. I'm this way with everything though. (laughs) Space, backgammon, whatever we playing, bro. Dominoes. Like you don't want to see me in nothing. Tongue, whatever it is. Like I am playing to win. Don't sit down at the table with me. If you try, like, what are we doing? I don't like people who just want to play for fun. Don't come to my table. <laughs> I, I agree with that. Just just so you know, you never want to see me in dominoes. No, so you, you should never sit at that table. Man, come on. I'm I'm slapping bones up. What is it 20? Oh, I would love this opportunity. <laughs> we'll make sure we make that happen. Yeah, okay. Don't forget you owe me tickets too. No, wait. No, not for for when you guys come to Miami. Wait, next month. Next we'll month. Next month. I got, I got you. To Say, my nope. husband and my son to the game. No problem. No problem uh, at all. No, that's um, all. <laughs> <laughs> so I always say the same thing about coaching. People say to me, like, oh, you should coach. Well, before I, number one, I think it's absolutely insane that you've never been impro- approached about coaching the WNBA team. Those things to me doesn't make sense. Like, you know, I I have a I have a strong appreciation for the WNBA because of the talent. Like I think uh, the women in the WNBA are extremely talented. Um, what I love the most is how fundamentally sound the WNBA is. I watch college basketball, some NBA basketball, and it baffles me that guys do not have basic fundamentals, and mm-hmm. you just don't have that problem in the WNBA. At least. We can't see it. You know, like I'm sure if you're in the practice, you're like, man, this this girl has got no fundamentals. But for <laughs> for the most part, like fundamentally sound. Yeah. Um, but I think, and and me and you have actually spoke about this a little bit before. I think some things that the WNBA do, they shoot themselves in the foot. This being one of them, like, why have you not been approached the pioneer that you are in the WNBA? I think you're you, I mean, I don't think you are the first real star of the WNBA, and yet your first real star, you never go back and say, hey, like, do you want to come back and coach? Like, so we can have you so close to this league because of what you know, you've seen it from the very beginning, you know all of these things. We can have you so close to this league. It's things like that, that when it comes to the WNBA, I don't understand those things. Like, you're not helping yourself in all the ways that you can help yourself. That to me is baffling. Well, I'm going to be really honest with you because I don't think I've ever really articulated this publicly, but I do believe that we get it wrong when it comes to the veterans of the WNBA. Um, All of us, not just me, you know, Swoops, Cooper, um, you know, we can make a whole list because there's obviously a laundry list of us, but um, we don't get it right. And for whatever reason, and I don't know if it's a women's thing, I'm not sure, but we get pushed out because they're like, well, if you're here taking up the spotlight, people can't see the next one's coming. However, I'm like, well, the NBA have like 
75, 100 like great players that come and support. And it's like a um, it's a fraternity. Right. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. absolutely. We, we don't create a sorority. And I'll tell you that from the sparks that behind the scenes conversations, the WNBA. I have tried. Trust me. So it's not like it's not like I haven't tried. It's not like I haven't reached out. It's not like even when I was in L.A., I'm like, there's anything that I can do. I wasn't even trying to be paid to to help. Mm-hmm. But it was just one of those things where I was like, you know what? This is my last time. I'm going to like really put myself out there to try to help. And then I'm done. And that's when I was like, I'm done. I'll go coach. I can coach in the big three. But I wasn't even trying to do it like it wasn't even like a money thing really just trying to help and lend my services, like you're saying, like to think about growing the game, to be able to give back. I saw that the attendance was dropping off, you know, things like that. And so it's not that I didn't think of it or try, but I'm sure um, a lot of the women who are veterans of the league feel that way. And we could do a much better job as a whole of finding ways to support veteran women, players, bringing them back, and I'll kid you now, I'll tell you one story. I went to go watch a practice and I was like, oh, and you can let them know if they want me to talk to the players, right? I will go after the practice and I'll talk to the players if, if they want. Draymond, <laughs> when I tell you, I mean, I was like, oh, okay. I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying of service. I'm not saying to be there to like, oh, you know, I'm like, so it's like, this is what I did. Like, that's not even my personality. Mm-hmm. But if there's some words that I can give you to motivate you to like, come out, work hard, like man the paint, like you guys need to crash the boards, whatever it is, like whatever was in that moment, I would have given it to that team just because I'm a spark for life. Like, I'm not just mm-hmm. visiting y'all. Like, I really care about what happens with the purple and gold. And they were like, no, that's okay. no. He or she didn't want you to say anything. I'm like, not a problem. And I leave it at that. Like, that's it. So I just say that to you, not to be like a hater on the outside, but I, but, but to confirm with you, we need to do a better job as not just the league, but also individual teams of how they support their veterans and bringing them back to be a part of it. And I'll tell you two programs that do an excellent job of it. Dawn Staley does an excellent job with South Carolina and in, in connecting her players to her other players and just creating a community that supports one another. And Gina Oriema does a very good job at UConn that you see their returning players coming back, 30, 40 players. That is how you build that type of chemistry. It's a culture. And I tried to even... I'm glad that we're starting to see that back with USC because we had those problems before in the past. We have a new coach and Juju is doing so amazing. I'm so proud of her. And you're starting to see other Trojans come back and support. And that's what it's about. Like if we're not building community and no, we're not pouring into one another, like what are what are we really doing? I, I don't mm-hmm. I don't know. So it's bigger than basketball to me, but we haven't completely figured that out. And I hope that we can do a better job of that in the future. Because I love our Sparks. I love our Sparks fans. Like, every time I'm there, the people are so amazing. The, the ushers, like, I hug and stuff. You know, I just see people that you really care about. And it's just unfortunate that I didn't have that opportunity to do that. Because I would have. Absolutely. Now, 100%. And by the way, and 
saying that, and that's why it's no surprise that Dawn is having the success that she's having year after year at South Carolina, and that Gino has had the success that he's had over the 30 years or whatever it's been that he's been at UConn. I think yeah. that was one of the reasons I actually went to Michigan State, is because Tom Izzo yeah. creates a brotherhood. He creates a family. And I'm like, oh, I get to be a part of this family? Like, I was, it was kind of down to them in Michigan. And I didn't feel like Michigan basketball was a family. But when you look back at it, they weren't. You see how uh, they did Chris Webber. You know, you see how they kind of outcast the Fab Five. Like, yeah, they had their issues, whatever. But what they did for that program to not honor them. I mean, we're, it's 2024, 2023, and it takes Jim Harbaugh to bring Chris Webber back. Like, that doesn't make sense to me, you know? And so uh, it's no surprise that those teams have that type of, essentially the pedigree that they have in the history mm-hmm. because they're doing it that way. Uh, but speak to me, Juju Watkins. Uh, I had the opportunity to actually work out with Juju or she came to my workout um, maybe when she was like in the 10th grade. Oh, and, really? and like you could see the skill was there. Um, shoot the lights out the ball. I work out. I still work out. Um, my who trains me, his name's Travis Walton. He was my senior leader when I was a freshman at Michigan State. He's trained me my entire career. We still go hard like we're in college. Like, it's not your typical NBA workout. You go shoot some spots and go to the next. Like, we go. And she came to our workout. And um, the first day, like, you could tell her skill was there and, like, all the things. She was struggling to get through the workout a bit. And, and, like, you know, I'm pushing her. Like, hey, come on, Drew, you got it. Come on. Like, pushing her through the workout, pushing she came back the next day. And when she came back the next day, it said a lot to me because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, she wants to get better. Like, she yeah. enjoyed being pushed. You know, a lot of people, I've seen people come to my workouts. I've had NBA players come to my workouts, throw up, um, not come back. You know, I've had, I've seen all different types. And she came back the next day, and I was like, that, that young lady has a future in this game. She has the skill. Um, you know, she has the demeanor. She carries herself like she knows she's nice. She came back to this workout again the next day. Um, now every day, you know, every night you look up, Juju has a game. Is She yeah. breaks this record. She's breaking that record. She's, she break, she's break, I think she broke on mine already. <laughs> like, which, number one, says so much about you that, you know, here we are 30 years later since, since you left USC, and she's just now breaking those records. Yeah. Uh, but just... Talk to me about Juju and what she's doing for uh, the program, for USC as a whole, for women's basketball, um, and just moving things forward. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm so proud of her. I think the the thing is is that when I heard about Juju, which was uh, her high when she was in high school, um, and then some of the coaches that were recruiting her, that she was a top recruit. And um, I was like, so what, what, you know, what do you think? Is Juju for real? They were like, yeah, Juju, Juju's for real. But they weren't sure if she would be able to keep this level of consistency, right, at, in, in college, you know. But you know how, because everybody, this is the talk about like Caitlin, like what's going, everybody looks at the next level. Okay, she's balling here, but what is she going to do at the next level? And it's like, when you have that freshman year, when you come out, I had the same thing happen. After I scored 101 points in high school, I went to to, to USC, which was like in 11th, 10th, 11th place in the Pac-10 back then. But I was like, I want to do something different. I didn't want to just go to Tennessee where everybody was winning championships. I wanted to start something new. And I feel like Juju had that same mindset of like, 
I want to bring it back here to LA. Um, SC was okay. She made SC like, you take it back up to the top. And I feel like that is a big deal in itself. When you talk about that challenge, when you take on the challenge to turn around a program, that's what Juju Walkers is basically doing for LA, like putting SC back on the map. And we've had some great players out of SC, like for real. So, you know, I love that her handle is like Juju be balling. If you want to hit her on Instagram, because <laughs> every time I'm like, Juju be balling, like she really is a baller. And it's like, She's so L.A., which is also a lot of people go to L.A., but a lot of people are not from L.A. But yes. those of us is like from L.A. is a certain kind of dog in us. It's just like mm -hmm, she really from L.A. Like, <laughs> you know, like Tina Thompson is really from L.A. Cynthia Cooper is like really from L.A. Like we are. Mm -hmm. It's something about like our motor and the way we think like you're just not going to outwork us and outplay us. We may lose some stuff, but you're going to know you was in a battle. And I see that in Juju. Like she just. When she needs to put the team on her back, the team is on her back. But watching her play, like, she's not selfish with it. You know, she's not, like, over-dribbling and keeping it. Like, she's very unselfish. She's a great passer, a rebounder. But her ability to shoot the ball is just, it's next level. And I feel like that is, like, the effect of what your teammate, Steph Curry, has done for the game has just been, it was almost one of those things when I played in the post, and I'm like, if I didn't have an outlet, I'm going to take the ball up. Like, I can bring the ball up. I can push it up. I'm a five, but I can play four. I still, used to tell my team, I only play this position because y'all need me to play this position. I can play any position, right? So that's how I used to think. But mm -hmm. I feel like the coach would be like, make the outlet pass and, and get on the block. Like, you know, coaches used to coach us in a way like you had a certain spot to be in mm -hmm. or position. But now we're moving to more of a European style where it's positionless, Right. Your four can pull it up. The four can bring it up and actually run the play, call the play, get you into your motion. The same thing that you do, they do in the women's game, where mm -hmm. it was very seldom was I allowed to do that. I did it at SC some, but as a pro, very seldom did I do that, like call a play. It was like pass it and get, you know, get down to the block or get to your spot. I love that staff has changed the game where people never really thought that you were even in shooting range when you crossed the half or like Absolutely. we had a few players I can name Ruthie Bolton, which people probably wouldn't even remember could shoot, shoot Ruthie could cross half court and be in that range like Steph, but she didn't get the publicity and didn't have this stage like we have, but Ruthie could shoot long range consistently where we were like, Ruthie, we used to laugh. Like, where is your range? She's like, Hey, as long as I can see the basket, I'm in range. You know, she would say that. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, now we see these players that he's opened the game in a way that you are not out of your range shooting. I don't even, what is the feet? 44 feet, like 45, like, yeah. bro, they are so far out. And I love that Juju has that long range shot, just to get back to what you're saying. She has that long range shot. She's in her range, wherever she is, getting to the basket, the pull up. Like they are true students of the game. And we can see that in their game, like the way that they play, you can tell that they've studied the game. And that's what I love. I'm passionate about people who are like, bro, if I was in this era, I would be even better than what I was in my era because I can see the game differently now. Mm -hmm. You know, I limited Absolutely. myself. Three point line came out. I was like, oh, OK, come to the three point line, work on my three point shooter. I was never thinking Cross half court, shoot one from that. Never, yes, <laughs> you know, Absolutely. but bro, you, if I was in this era. You best believe my shot would be ready from <laughs> half court. I, I, I just love the game. I love the fact that it keeps evolving and getting better. So you can tell I get so excited, but I'm amazed at Juju and what she's been able to do and the talents continue to get better. So fight on. I got my burgundy on. I love it. I, <laughs> I love it. Um, 
and Juju has to stay in college for at least three years. Um, kind of, what what's your take on that? Uh, like, when, obviously the goal for all of us is to get to the NBA, is to get to the WNBA. Uh, but she has to stay there for two more years once this season concludes. What's your take on uh, the age requirement in the WNBA? As far I, I think if Juju could leave this year, she'd definitely be the number one or number two pick, you know? And so, like, kind of how do you view that uh, as far as the women's game go? That's good. That's good. Um, I, I don't think we originally had seen a player or players now that really could make that jump. And here's why I say that. We played both college ball, but we also played on the USA team. And playing on the USA team brought, like myself, I was 16, a high schooler versus college women. And I held my own, but was I ready to be an Olympian? No. Um, I was good, but I was a 10th grader, you know, with college players. Now you cut two and you say, well, she's a freshman in college. I think the biggest test first would be the USA team because how she would manage with those pros would then tell you if she could truly play in the WNBA. I think it's, I think we're getting to that point now. I don't think that Juju could get out there and, and not be effective, but also it's kind of that same thing, the body, the, 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 um, the physicality of it, it changes a lot. Um, defense, you know, you may be strong offensively, but how's your defense? Because you got, you know, you got some ballers to guard in the WBA also. Absolutely. And so a lot of times the rookie year for guards is actually harder than it is for the post. Mm-hmm. I find that all of the guards, when if we like went back in time and you looked at like number one pick guards, their first years in the W is not like all-star years. They they mm-hmm. really struggle because you being deed up in a way like I got you and I don't need to go help nobody else. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Whereas college, mm-hmm. college is sort of that system. You know, you got that rotation. Sometimes coaches just like stay on her. Like she's not getting off today. That's that's the decision of the coach, which means I'm on you. How are you going to get the buckets that you're used to getting when I'm staying with you? And we have defenders like that and coaches that make those types of decisions. So I think that for the guards, they struggle a little bit. But could Juju go into the WNBA and just be like solid? I think so. I, I, I really do. I think she could. Should they change the rules? I don't know about that. But I think she I think she'd have success. Absolutely. No, I agree. I think. You know, and, and, and like there's levels to the success, right? Like you come in, the likelihood of anyone coming from college and being a superstar right away. It's, it happens. It's hot. It Parker, happens. It happens. Facts. But it's few. CP. And, but like, and also, you look at uh, CP, Aaliyah though, Boston. she's all, True, but like Aaliyah Boston's probably going to be along the lines of Candace Parker, one of the all-time greats too. So, you know, the people always would talk about when, you know, when they had the... High school rule when you could come out of high school in the NBA. For every Kobe Bryant, Kevin Garnett, there was there was also um, uh, a, a Melvin Ely or uh, I'm I'm gonna butcher, butcher this name, but EBNB or his name was something that like you also have some of those guys as well. Exactly. More of those guys yep. than you necessarily do the Kobe Bryant and Kevin Garnett who's actually able to figure it out. Welcome to season nine of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024. 
And we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you here on Next Question, it's going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring Kris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother, or in her case, a good lovey. You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I called my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now Lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferreira, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. This month, we're bringing you the stories of disappearing acts. There's the 17th century fraudster who convinced men she was a German princess. The 1950s folk singer who literally drove off into the sunset and was never heard from again. The First Nations activist whose kidnapping and murder ignited decades of discourse about indigenous women's disappearances and the young daughter of a Russian czar whose legendary escape led to even more intrigue and speculation. These stories make us consider what it means to disappear and why a woman might even want to make herself scarce. Listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And to your point, their rookie year, though, is not stellar. Exactly. You know, and so that's my point, too, is that you can come out, but that rookie year, sometimes it's it's a lot. One, they're coming out of their college season, so you're kind of fatigued because we start, like you said, early May. Mm-hmm. If you went to a championship, you just finished April 8th, 7th, yep. somewhere around there. Now you got to come into a training camp, and you got to play a full season. A lot of times you have that dip happens there. The other thing is just the overall sheer heart of these veterans Mm-hmm. that have that defensive mindset to like, oh, you're not about to come in here and bust me up. You know what I mean? That's how we used to be. Like, oh, it's a it's a rookie? N- not on my watch. Like, mm-hmm. not today. You know what I mean? You might, you might have a good game somewhere else, but you're not about to have it. So I don't know how many dogs we have like that in the WBA. I don't know about the defense. But I know when we play, like, if I told Swoops, 
if you saw any guard that was coming in, like our USA team, I could speak to probably more, but I'm like, Swoops was like, Swoops, the defense there, Nikki McRae, the defense, like you're not going to see the, the light of day because we had certain people that was just defense on guards. You're not going to have a chance. Ruthie Bolton, like you're not going to have a chance to get mm -hmm. what you've ever gotten in college. You know, we had that post, same thing for me. It's like, no, today, sis, I'm about to take a whole, it's a full clinic. You know, my footwork left, right, underneath, spin move, it doesn't matter. Fade away, like you, you can't stop all of this. So I feel mm -hmm. like it depends on how the players in the WNBA take on that grit and that idea that you are a rookie coming in here and today you're not going to have the kind of game that you're used to. That's going to be the biggest decision on how and if I think Caitlin Clark will have major success in the WBA. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think she will because her range is mm -hmm. one of those things. It's just like Steph, you can get on him, but the fact that his range is limitless, not everybody can play defense starting at half court and yeah. really maintain the movement that they have and still guard them in their range in their, the six seconds that it takes for them to get the shot off. Mm -hmm. Like, um, it's not even six seconds. What is it? A point six, like points? Yeah, like six tenths of a second. Of a second or something yeah. they said. Like absolutely. You know, so I don't know. I love it though. I I'm a fan of all of this. I can't wait to see it unfold. And uh, yeah, so it's unfortunate Juju has to stay probably three more years though. <laughs> great, great, great for the Trojans. Yes, fight on. <laughs> um. You you just mentioned her, uh, Candace Parker won MVP her rookie year, uh, which was your second to last year in the league. Um, seeing a young player come in and dominate uh, on your team on the team with you like that, what was your take on her and like having the opportunity to play with her, mentor her um, initially coming in? Like, what was that opportunity like for you? You know what? It was so interesting because Candace and I have always gotten along from day one and people always thought we would not get along um, or implied that we wouldn't get along or all these things. And I was very, um, I was happy. I was, you know, I'm motherly. So I was just mm -hmm. trying to, I think the small things uh, that I would try to help Candace with was just her like weights. I'm like, Candace, we heard you got to We got to like, we live weights every day. I live weights before pretty much every day and after games because your body is like, our season is too short. It, it's a game, you know, it's a game every other day. You have mm -hmm. to stay in the weight room. Um, and then her food, you know, I used to <laughs> make her oatmeal and make her stuff. And like, she lived, uh, I don't know if we lived in the same building for a little while. Yeah, we did. So I would like make her oatmeal and just trying to, you know, be a mentor, I think more than anything else of just to be a pro is different from college because everything is not given to you. It's like you have to start to make choices. So I think the biggest impact that I had on Candace, and I guess you probably have to ask her, but just trying to be more of a mentor of like this process as a rookie, um, you got to learn to respect everybody, you know, and she's like, Candace is hilarious though, because she's like, who's that other girl? I'm like, that's one of our teammates. <laughs> and she's like, I don't understand why she's trying to tell me what to do. Like, she don't even play. And I'm like, Candace, no, baby, no, you can't. It doesn't work like that. It's like she's watching us play. So she has valuable information that can be helpful to us, you know? So it's like, be open to everybody. You can learn from anybody. And she's an amazing veteran and a person that I trust. Like, you could, you could, like, when I get subbed out, 
I would go sit, you know, and I'm asking different teammates, which, which y'all see, like, what could mm-hmm. I do? You know, they like, Lee, you fading on your jumper or um, you late on your rotation or whatever, anything I can learn from anybody here. And so I think it's so important to that camaraderie is just not about the five who get to play or the starters. It's about everybody. Clearly mm-hmm. she's an amazing leader. She's grown so much. She became so much like healthier with her eating in the weight room, staying strong and shit. We always laugh about it now. She was like, girl, I was a mess. I was like, I just couldn't believe her mindset of like her, the teammates, but I I get it that you see them here and they don't play a lot. You don't recognize that to respect their voice and that is still Mm -hmm. important. And so those are probably our early, you know, our few years. I feel like I wish we had more time together, but I had already had my daughter and I was just, the pull of, of motherhood was just bigger than um, me really trying to stay and figure out how we could just like win championships together. I had to go, I <laughs> you know, but that. I loved it. I loved it. And I love Candace. Absolutely. Um, before we get out of here, a couple more questions. Can you name the five other players uh, to win the W? Obviously, there's six. You're one of them. Um, the five other players that won the WNBA MVP and the finals MVP in the same season? In the same season? Mm-hmm. In the same season. Okay, so definitely Swoops and I. Nope. Me. You for sure. Oh, Not finals, Swoops. finals MVP. And, and regular season MVP. Oh, and regular season? Mm-hmm. Did, did Asia Wilson win it once? Yep. Ooh, you no, I'm lying. Question. Asia is not a part of the list. That okay, is a wait. lie. So what's the question? MVP in the regular season and the finals. And MVP in the finals. Same season. Maya Moore. There's six. Nope. There's six? Mm-hmm. You're one of the six. There's five mm-hmm. others. Wait, there's not that. Okay, Lauren Jackson. Lauren Jackson is one. Jeez. MVP of the season and the finals. I don't think Cynthia Cooper did that either. Cynthia Listen. Cooper did? She did? Okay, Mm -hmm. I think Cynthia Cooper did. That's three. I need three more? You said not mine more. Sylvia Fowles? Sylvia Fowles is four. How many more I need? Two? Two more. Oh, Brianna Stewart. Brianna Stewart, Sylvia Fowles. I'm missing one? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, MVP of the regular season and the... Oh, no. Dang. Okay, I need a hint. Wait, who's left? Hold she, on. UConn as well. Another oh. UConn Husky. Oh, Dinah. No, Dinah. Yep. Dinah? Absolutely. Dinah? Mm-hmm. I thought, so she won MVP of the regular season and the finals? Yep. I don't know how I left D.I.V.D. I should have started with Diana. <laughs> My goodness. What am I doing? It's hard to, like, gather all the names of the players. I love D. She's a baller. Oof. This is an interesting list because Lauren Jackson surprised me until I took a step back and was like, how, thought about how nice she was. Like, yeah, how she surprised she surprised me. <laughs> Clearly, that's who I battle with the most. So Lauren, Lauren is, you know, who surprised me? You, wait, you said Cynthia Cooper won mm-hmm. regular season MVP. Okay, that's not a surprise. Sylvia Fowles. So Sylvia Fowles surprised me because I, it could have been Simone Augustus. I mean, Maya Moore. That's mm-hmm. that's what threw me off. Yeah. So Lauren Moore, Jackson. Maya Moore did not. No, I thought just for Lauren Jackson, like, 
she's not she's not really spoke about in the same lane as with 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 all of you greats and you know I actually think she was she's incredible but that's why it was a surprise to me because you never hear her name come up anymore yeah she should be though she was she was a fourth to reckon with like she was nice absolutely she was, I should say she was a, a great player Mm-hmm. Where 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 do you rank yourself uh, as far as the all time WNBA greats go? You know, I, I never really think about those types of things. Um, that it, it's tough because I feel like we 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 all did great things to contribute. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. I, I look at it like we all have our errors and our time. And there was some times where I mean, I was hot for for. You know, there's a space where I was like killing it. You know, you get like MVP at an all-star game and then the regular season and then the finals and then you win a championship and then you do it again. You know what I mean? Like there was a time where I was like, you don't want to see me. You know what I mean? But then it's like there, there's lows to it. Then I had like a hamstring injury. Then there's a year where I think Swoops and I were, you know, we were battling back and forth. Uh, she won, then I won. We'd win every other year. And, you know, so I think it's just, we 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 gave it our all. That's really what I could say. I gave it my all. I did the best that I could do uh, with the resources that we had. And it's just, um, I never think about ranking this because they're so, I mean, Diana Taurasi is an amazing player. Uh, <clears throat> I wouldn't want to leave the country, you know, without Swoops. Swoops is an amazing player. Um, I feel like, I feel like they wouldn't want to leave without me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. To like, to like get it done, like the level of like heart and fight that it takes and just showing up every day, whether it was practice or a game, like there's, there's not that many players that, but you know what? Maya Moore was, was amazing. Absolutely. And I never played with her. I don't think I've ever played on a team with Maya Moore, you know? Yes. And I thought she was an outstanding player. So mm-hmm. um, sometimes she gets left out of competition and she left the game early. Yeah, she did. Yeah, she did. You know? So, I mean, she was, and then Brianna Stewart in Asia, Asia Wilson, I mean, she on fire. Like she's, mm-hmm. that look, that lefty is no joke. The step back, like, and her motor also, her defense and blocking shots, like she's getting better and better. And she's, I mean, so Neka Gumaka, like there's so many players. I feel like it's just almost disrespectful. Cynthia Cooper was unstoppable. And she was at the end of her career and unstoppable. Nobody could stop Coop. Um, not, not any guards that we had <laughs> out there. Like she was just a scoring machine. So mm-hmm. uh, I think it's kind of a, I, I never try to disrespect the players and just name, you know, like my Mount Rushmore. I did that before. And I was like, oh, I don't like that I did that. Yeah. Because you, you leave somebody off. Everybody was really good. I respect that. Uh, two more questions. What was it like being a star in L.A. at the same time as Shaq and Kobe? Like, y'all were kind of, both teams were on those runs at the same time. You was out of this world as a star. They were out of this world as a star. What was that like? Um, It was great. I think maybe because, one, people were respecting the Lakers and the Sparks, and we were like Mm -hmm. a package thing. And, you know, we practiced at the same facilities. We, We played our games at the same facilities. Um, the men supported us, which was, you know, I was telling the the WNBA when we had these conversations that our number one fan are the NBA players. And I was telling them way back then, like, bro, they're come out and they support us. And we never really promote that. But, um, the fact that they supported us so much, um, you know, that they would 
like play ball. I would shoot before them. Derek would come in, like Kobe, obviously. We we just had so much like connection. And I think the biggest thing about being in LA is that it's about winning. And every season mm-hmm. that we didn't win, it felt like a bust, you know? Yes, absolutely. And that's hard to say when we only have won two championships, but I just couldn't stand it. But obviously winning MVP and other individual accolades you know, it was great, but it was about championships in LA and, and just, that was a highlight because we all won and especially Dr. Buss was still alive. Um, you know, we all won. Dr. Buss took the Sparks to Hawaii when it was like the Lakers preseason games and, you know, he took care of us and like celebrated. So again, that goes back to that culture, you know, it's a championship culture. And so I really appreciated that. That's why I always will be there for anything that the the Lakers have and supporting Jeannie Buss because I appreciated how her father really created a winning culture and made us feel welcomed and supported us. And I know you guys are getting ready to get a, a women's team there, yeah. you know, in Golden State. And that that's important. That that means a lot. And it doesn't have to be, you know, anything big, but it is that support is it, it goes a long way. And we see that. And I'll never forget that. And I'll always love the way that Dr. Buss made the Sparks feel and Johnny Buss and the Buss family in general, just not giving us, you know, it wasn't, it didn't feel like it was like this, this little team that they're just investing in or a tax write-off. Like he was serious. Like they wanted to win championships. And I, I love that. Absolutely. Um, and just, you know, as you are as an advocate uh, for the game, for the women's game, uh, last one. What was it like seeing Steph and Sabrina uh, with the shootout this past weekend at All Star Weekend? I really love that, Draymond. Like, I've always loved that we participated with the NBA All Star Weekend because we would come out and do the shooting. Mm-hmm. I forgot what it was called, shooting stars or something. And and again, Kobe and myself and Magic was we were serious. We came mm-hmm. out there. We won a few years and we had some huge trophy. Like, so I think. Again, it's the opportunity for the fans to recognize the WNBA and see that, hey, we're here, you know, we're Mm -hmm. a part of this, you know, we were trying to make our way. But what happened with Steph and Sabrina was like, that was like the stamp of like, bro, the fact that she came out, first of all, they were sitting around forever. I was like, oh my God, this could could either go really well or this could go bad. Just because you know how hard it is to just like, shoot and not get a full warm up like bro you got 15 seconds like it's impossible it's impossible she came out and shot the heck out of that ball from the nba line like and she it was smooth too it's not forced you know she don't have like a hitchy shot like her shot looked beautiful and i was just like cheering like going and you i wanted her to make every shot so the fact that she got the 26 i was telling my husband i said you know what's crazy she's not just shooting against steph She's really yes. shooting against the whole three-point contest because no matter what her number is, you're going to compare it to all of those men, not just Steph. Exactly. Exactly. What happened? She hit 26. I'm like, okay. I was just, you know how you kind of like low-key praying, like, girl, are you just, I'm pulling for her because she's representing us all. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she hit 26, I'm like, that's solid, bro. She put a lot of pressure on Steph, one, but she just tied the, uh, Dame, who just won yep. with 26. Like, mm-hmm. that meant a lot. It really meant a lot. I was so proud. And I love that you guys, and I say you, Steph, 
like just the fact that you, you know, Cope, just the fact that you guys are like verbally so supportive of us, it really means the world. I don't know if the players that are like these young players now, if they recognize the importance of it, maybe they do, maybe they don't, but I certainly do. It doesn't go um, unnoticed because it's validation for our hard work. You know, we put in the same hours of just the grind of getting up, shooting balls, running on the track, lifting weights, the blood, sweat, tears that it takes, the sacrifice from your family, missing holidays. Like it, it's all the same. The game is not, I'm not trying to say our game is all the same or that, but I'm just saying it's the same level of sacrifice in terms of your time as an individual, just trying to give everything you can to this sport to hone your craft. And so with that, to have you guys like really be so supportive, to see Sabrina out there and to score 26 points, it was like so solid, so amazing. And then I thought it was also great that Steph won though, because yeah. he really is the greatest shooter that we've ever seen, like mm -hmm. ever. And I don't like the fact that people like just can't say that. Like, bro, nobody ever has shot the ball as great as that man shoots the ball consistently across this game for years. Nobody. Mm -hmm. And I just, I don't like that we don't give people their flowers like the way that they deserve sometimes. And I actually was happy that he was able to, to, to win because it's like, bro, he's the, he's the king, but she shot that ball. Hell, it, I was great. I don't know. I'm, I'm so long with it, but I was so excited. Just, <laughs> I was very, very happy. I'm so proud. I feel like that, that mom is just like looking and watching the game grow. And I'm like, yes, represent. Absolutely. Like I'm supportive. I love it. No, it was huge. I had the opportunity to be there and watch it happen live. Uh, it was incredible. The reception from everybody was great. Uh, I, to your point, I thought it was great for Steph to win. I thought it was great for her to have the performance that she had. Um, and it's really just showing the growth. Uh, and speaking of flowers, um, we are honored to have you on the show. All time great. You get your flowers here anytime. We love you. We thank you for what you've meant to the game of basketball, not to the WNBA. What you've meant to the game of basketball. I don't think people just talk about you when they talk about the WNBA. You are all-time great in the game of basketball. I thank you for coming on the Draymond Green Show. You are welcome anytime. Anytime you want right, to come here. Don't forget. You got something you need to get off your chest. You come mm -hmm. on, and I will see you and your family at the game when we play in Miami. Okay, sounds good. Thank you, Draymond. And I really Absolutely. do appreciate you uh, taking the time to talk with me. And I really appreciate your support of the women's game. And are Absolutely. you a girl dad, too? I have three girls. <gasps> oh. Three girls, one boy. So in that commercial, is that your real daughter or no? Yes, it is. It is? Oh, mm -hmm. she's beautiful. Absolutely. Wow. She is right. amazing. She's the oldest. She's nine. Um, my son is seven. And... Um, I have a three-year-old daughter and a three-month-old. And my nine-year-old, and I'll say this because I think it needs to be more, more normalized. So my nine-year-old is, is my wife's daughter from a past relationship. However, that couldn't be more my daughter. Uh, her dad is in her life. Her dad is incredible. Uh, we have a great relationship, which I can appreciate because that's not always the case. And I yeah. think that needs to be, more, like, I talk to him just as much as, as my wife and him talk, you know? And it's yeah. like, I think that needs to be more normal. I think that gets lost so often when, like, relationships fail and then it comes in between the kids and the relationship and the parents. 
Yeah. It's not that at all. So like, that's my baby. Like, as if as the other three are. And no, I appreciate I, that. I have a blended family too. So I have my husband has two. I have two bonus daughters that are older okay. now. I think we got married. They were like nine and eleven. So I, yeah. I appreciate that because it's the thing is that they're gaining a parent. You know, mm-hmm. you're not losing anything. And then that communication again, it goes comes down to maturity. You know, mm-hmm. you're being mature enough to say, hey, this child is here and we all love her. So how can we all be the best, you know, co-parent? And that's awesome, Draymond. Yeah, that's Thank awesome. You. Thanks Thank for you. sharing that. That's absolutely. Dope. Absolutely. No, Thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate you as always. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to season nine of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love at first listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.